welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Good Friday, April 14th, 2017, on the basis of John 19, verses 28 through 30. The saying goes that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I don't know about you, but when I hear that expression, I think of a young girl who wants nothing more than to be just like her big sister. And so she copies everything that big sister does. She copies the way she dresses, the way she talks, the way she acts. And of course, as big sisters sometimes do, she gets a little bit annoyed and a little bit aggravated at all of this. And so when things finally blow up, when feelings are hurt and maybe tears are even shed, mom or dad comes in and says, you know, if someone wants to be just like you, that's a pretty nice compliment, don't you think? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Now, if that's the case, it's no wonder that so many people, so many Christians, of course, especially, want to imitate Jesus. If if we're going to pattern our lives after anyone, if we're going to allow anyone to set an example for how we live, of course, Jesus is right at the top of the list. And without a doubt, there is no shortage of instances in Scripture where God tells Christians to do that very thing, to imitate Jesus, to be like Jesus, to think and to speak and to act like Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself said that even in the words that I preached on last evening. In the upper room with his disciples the night before he died, Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And yet on this day that we call Good Friday, and especially on Good Friday, it is good for us to remember that there is a way to imitate Jesus that is anything but flattering. There's a way to imitate Jesus that is anything but what God wants us to do. In fact, it's the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. It's imitating Jesus in a way that is actually insulting to him and deadly to our immortal souls. You see, the problem is that by nature we come into this world with our natural spiritual inclinations, our our default setting, so to speak, to be set toward self-dependence, self-reliance. In other words, we look at every single problem that we face, including the problem of our broken relationship with God, and we think, we assume that it's a problem that we can and it's a problem that we must fix. And so we take something that is as good as imitating Jesus and we turn it into something very toxic to our relationship with God. And it's what happens when we become obsessed with imitating Jesus. When our relationship with God focuses entirely on that, when we take our standing and our status before God and our confidence of eternal life and we draw a straight line between those things and our ability and our success at imitating Jesus. In so doing, we take this Savior that God sent into the world, his own dear son, and we essentially write our own job description for him. We make his primary purpose for coming to earth something that God never intended it to be. We make his primary purpose for coming to earth to set an example that we should follow. 
We make his primary value to us that he is someone who is worth imitating. And so thankfully, as we gather here on Good Friday, as we close the book on this season known as Lent, Jesus himself is going to intervene one last time. He is going to intervene in our obsession over imitation. And he's going to do so in two important ways. First of all, with one of the very last things that he said. And second of all, in the very last thing that he did. The words from John's gospel that are in front of us this evening take us to the very end of the crucifixion account. Jesus has been hanging on the cross all day long. It started at 9 in the morning, and now it's at least 3 in the afternoon, maybe even a little bit later than that. So Jesus has undergone the full torture and all of the pain associated with a Roman crucifixion in the first century. He has also experienced all of the spiritual agony of separation from God, from all of the sins of the world being placed on his shoulders. He's gone through all of that, and now it's done. Now it's finished. And he knows it. And more than that, he wants us to know it. And so right as his life draws to a close, he asks for a drink. You can imagine how thirsty Jesus would have been at that point. Up all night without any sleep, massive loss of blood, out there all day on the cross, heaving and straining for every desperate breath of air. But right at the very end, he wants to muster up one last bit of strength. And so he asks for a drink. And with that, that sour wine wetting his lips and giving him just one final ounce of strength, he is able to say as loudly and clearly as he possibly can, it's finished. That word that Jesus said in, in the Greek New Testament, it's actually just one single word, and it's a word that was very important in the commercial or economic world of Jesus' day. It's a word that the business owners and the shopkeepers would write at the very bottom of one of their customers' bills when that bill had been paid in full. And so what Jesus is saying is that every single time that we look at our lives and look at his life, life and realize that there is a disparity, it's like a debt, a debt that we owe to God. So every time we look and realize that Jesus would have been patient and forgiving with someone and we instead have been very short and ill-tempered, it adds to our debt. Every time we realize that Jesus would have spoken up and would have spoken the truth, even if it would have been uncomfortable, but we, on the other hand, have shied away from saying what needs to be said, it, it adds to our debt. Every time Jesus stopped whatever he was doing to help someone who was in need, but we instead have, have pretended as though we're too busy, have looked the other way and pretended as though we didn't notice, it adds to our debt. Every time we have failed or have even refused to imitate Jesus, the debt gets larger and larger and larger. And so Jesus is making it very clear that the primary purpose for which he came into this world was not for imitation. It was not so that he could do it first, set us a good example, and then we could take his place and take our crack at it. No, it's because we had, in fact, gone first 
and had failed miserably. And as a result, he is the one who needed to take our place. Jesus' primary reason for coming into this world was not for imitation, but for substitution. For him to take our debt and for him to pay its price in full. His blood, his pain, his agony, his suffering, his death, our forgiveness, our salvation. And then he said, it's finished. It's, it's paid in full. Maybe you can understand why it, would be ins- why it would be so insulting to turn around and tell Jesus that it's not. Or to act as though, to live our lives as though it's not. To live as though Jesus' primary purpose is simply to to sort of set a good example for us, and then then we can kind of push him aside and say, okay, nice start, Jesus, but now it's my turn. Let me sit in the driver's seat. I'm going to do it. Or on the flip side of that, to let our guilt build up higher and higher, to let that guilt hang over our heads and weigh heavily on us as if that debt has not been paid in full. Jesus wanted you to hear him when he said it is finished. He wants you to trust him when he says it's finished. But I think we can understand why that's so hard, right? Why, why it's so hard to avoid either one of those ditches. On the one hand, to think, well, this is great. I've got it. I can imitate Jesus, and then God will love me. Or on the other hand, to say, this is awful. I, I haven't come close to imitating Jesus, and so God must really hate me. And so thankfully, Jesus intervenes in our, our sometimes obsession over imitation, not just in that very last, one of the, the last words that he said, but also in the very last thing that he did. When Jesus said, it is finished from the cross, he meant it, and he was absolutely right. And yet, in addition to understanding something about the economic and commercial world of his day, we also need to understand something about the legal world of Jesus' day. You see, in Jesus' day, if something was to be established as valid and certain in a courtroom, it needed to be testified to by not just one, but at least two people. So if one person said something that wasn't good enough, at least one other witness needed to say exactly the same thing. Now, you would think that for the Son of God, this silly little rule didn't apply, right? Jesus says something that settles it. And yet Jesus had already made it clear that he was going to abide by and submit himself to this very same legal principle. One time, the religious leaders of the day sort of shoved it in his face. They said, you are serving as your own witness. The only one who is testifying for you is you, and so your testimony is not valid. Jesus said, fine. But my other witness is going to be my father. And so Jesus said, it is finished. And then after that, John tells us that he gave up his spirit. That means a little bit more than that he died, although that's what happened. In fact, the other gospel writers tell us that when he did that, he had one more thing to say. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus was handing over his soul to his father. 
He was essentially saying, I, I have given my assessment, I have given my testimony about my work, I have declared that it is finished, but now, now I'm going to hand over the matter to someone else. I am going to entrust the final verdict and the final assessment about whether or not my work really was good enough to my Father in heaven. And so after he said that and after he gave up his spirit, he did nothing more. He simply rested. And in fact, in so doing, he was doing a little bit of imitating on his own. He was doing something that long ago he had seen his own father do. Way back in the beginning, God had spent six days making everything out of nothing. Sunday through Friday, God created all that there was, finishing up on Friday with the crown of God's creation with mankind. And then he declared that the work was done. But then he also demonstrated that the work was done by resting on the seventh day. Fast forward thousands of years, and God's promise to send a Savior was now coming to fruition. And all of the work that needed to be done was drawing to a close. And sure enough, just like he had seen his father do, Jesus finished up on a Friday afternoon. And then after he declared that the work was done, he also demonstrated that the work was done by being willing to do nothing but rest. And trusting the matter, and trusting the final verdict, to his Father in heaven. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but you can see where this is going, I would imagine. And yes, even though it is Good Friday, we gather here tonight not, not pretending as though we don't know how this all turns out. In fact, the only reason we gather here tonight, the only reason Jesus' death is worth remembering, the only reason this Friday is worth calling good is because we know what happens on Easter Sunday morning. When Jesus entrusted the final assessment of his work to his Father, we know what the Father's answer was. So friends, I, I suppose there is a way that we can and we ought to imitate Jesus even on Good Friday. But it's not like working really hard <laughs> to live like Jesus so that maybe God will love us or maybe we can get into heaven. It's not trying to do exactly what Jesus did so that, so that we can make God happy with us. No, instead, it's, it's looking at our work, the work of today, the work of this past week, the work of our entire lives, and just really not being phased by whether we think it's particularly good or particularly bad. It's instead entrusting the assessment of that work to someone other than ourselves. Realizing that the only opinion about our work is the opinion that matters is the opinion that doesn't belong to us. And what do those opinions say? Well, on Good Friday, Jesus said, it's finished. And on Easter Sunday morning, the Father says, ditto. So how can you imitate Jesus? What can be the most flattering thing you can do for him on Good Friday? Trust him when he says it. And simply enjoy the rest.
that he worked so hard to provide. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org. Thank you.